Welcome to another episode of Success Through Failure. This is your host, Jim Harshaw Jr., and today I bring you the amazing, the great Bob Berg. And if you've not heard of Bob Berg, then uh, this is definitely someone you need to check out. He has written a series of books or co-authored a series of books called The Go-Giver. And it was a Wall Street Journal bestseller, the original book, The Go-Giver. And then there's been The Go-Giver Influencer, Leader, etc. But anyway, the original book uh, was a Wall Street Journal bestseller, a Business Week bestseller, sold almost a million copies, and it's been translated into 24 languages. It was rated number 10 on Inc. Magazine's list of most motivational books ever written, ever written. It was also on HubSpot's 20 most highly rated sales books of all time. The American Management Association named Bob one of the 30 most influential leaders, and he was also named to the top 200 most influential authors in the world by Rich Topia. Bob is incredible. I mean, his personality comes through. He is a guy who lives what he writes about, and he lives this out, and you can sense it, you can feel it, and you can see why he's been so successful, and you can adopt these principles, these laws that he shares in this episode. You can adopt them right now into your life and start seeing results, and it's a lot of fun, too. It's it's uh, something you're going to get a lot of benefit out, out of. You're going to feel a lot more fulfilled in actually implementing these, and you're going to be more successful. It's pretty cool. Um, check out towards the end of the episode, what he talks about the environment. He talks about this environment that he creates for success for himself. This is when we start talking about habits. And for my clients out there who are listening, you're going to get a little chuckle because this is uh, exactly one of the things that we talk about and that I teach in Reveal Your Path. And he also talks about having a bias for action. He talks a lot about so many good things. I'm just going to shut up right here and get right into the interview with the amazing Bob Berg. What if you could 10x your goals? Or what if you could achieve your 10-year goals in six months? How would that change your life? Do you ever wonder how people like Elon Musk or Richard Branson or Oprah Winfrey get insane results while most other people get mediocre results? Or worse, they remain stuck right where they started. World-class performers in business, sports, and otherwise get 10x results. They're achieving what most people would set as 10-year goals and achieving it in just six months. How do they do it? What's different about their thinking? What's different about how they operate versus how you operate? What if you could tap into that thinking for your life? Well, you can. Join me and 24 others as I walk you through a specific step-by-step process that I learned by working with world-class performers that will explode your limiting beliefs and finally reveal to you the actual steps that you need to take to get 10x results. Even if you only get 5x the results, or even if you only get 2x the results, how would that change your life? This is a work session. That is, you show up ready to work for the full 90 minutes, and you'll leave with a custom, personalized, written plan for you. And it takes place on Monday, February 15th. That's President's Day. That's Valentine's Day will be behind you, and you'll be able to put your full focus on the work that we'll do together. Space is limited. Go to jimharshawjr.com slash 
10X to learn more. That's jimharshowjr.com, the number 10, the letter X. You have goals for this year, but if you use the same thinking that got you last year's results, you're going to get more of the same. You know there's more inside of you. You know you're leaving too much on the table. You know the clock is ticking and there's no time left to underperform. Let's break the mold of the system that you've been operating under and finally give you the plan that you've been looking for. Go to jimharshowjr.com slash 10x to learn more. There you'll find some bonuses that I don't have time to go into right now, but they'll expire soon. So don't wait until this is gone. Space is limited. Just the first 25 people. I look forward to seeing you on the work session. Great to have you here. I've uh, I've followed you for quite a long time. I feel like I know you, uh, although this is our first time actually interacting from all the interviews that I've watched and books of yours that I read. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I do know you. So let's dive dive right in. I mean, you have so much great content out there, but it really centers around one idea. And, and something that I saw pinned on your Twitter profile, this is the tweet that's pinned on, for the listeners, this is what's pinned on Bob's profile. This is the tweet. It says, the single greatest people skill is a highly developed and authentic interest in the other person. Can you tell us about that, Bob? Yeah, this is something that that while he he never told me directly, it's based on observing my dad, who to me is you know the single greatest you know when it comes to people skills uh, that I've ever seen. And what I had always noticed about him, what he did was just and, and for him it was very natural, you know. It, it, and and it, it's not that I believe in the you know natural most things aren't natural we have a a uh, an inclination to be a certain way but it takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of practice and study and so forth but this just happens to be a gift that my dad had and that is to really want to make other people feel genuinely good about themselves to bring out the best in others and so while he never told me that's a a great people skill to have i just watched him do it he was always, so it didn't matter who he was speaking with, he would ask questions, he would listen, and he was genuinely interested in them. And people just responded to him in a way that I have never seen with, you know, with anyone else. So that's, that's really what the quote is about. You read a book like How to Win Friends and Influence oh. People, and you read that, right? You read that, and... Right. I don't know about you, but I feel like when I read that book, that was one of the most transformational books for me that I've mm -hmm. ever read. And you hear about a skill like this, like developing this authentic interest in other people and how valuable that is. It's almost intuitive, but we feel like it's the opposite. Let me share a quick story. And then I'd love to hear your feedback on this. Like I remember sort of later in my college years and after college thinking like, in order for me to be interesting, in order for me to really make connections with people, I have to be able to talk. I have to be able to tell them stories and create conversation. And it's the opposite. It's, well, you create conversation by being authentically and genuinely interested in the other person. And if that isn't natural to you, finding that piece of you that is genuinely interested in watering that, growing that, focusing on that. And, but again, it feels intuitive once you read it, you go, ah, okay, that totally makes sense. I've been doing the opposite my whole life. Why is it? Why is it that that is kind of intuitive, but we do the opposite? 
Yeah. Well, I mean, you hit it right on the head in a, on a couple of different levels. One is that, you know, it seems counterintuitive because as human beings, we're basically programmed with self-interest, right? I mean, that, that just really, and I, and I tell people, you know, don't, don't deny your self-interest because we're then denying human nature and successful people live in truths. They operate from a, a, you know, a viewpoint that, yes, I, in the context, I want to know the truth. I want to understand the truth. I want to deal with the truth. Now, they don't let the truth or they don't let the laws of nature, whether or the laws of human nature, or the laws of, they don't let that stop them. But first, they understand them. And then from there, they work within the proper context to, to advance themselves and to advance others. So I say, you know, don't deny your self-interest. Just suspend your self-interest, okay? And you can understand if you, if from a self-interested viewpoint, you can understand that self, that suspending your self-interest and putting your focus on the other person, why that will actually be beneficial to you as well. And I've often said to, you know, to, uh, to audiences that, you know, I've said, have you ever been in a conversation with someone who let you do practically all the talking? And people say, yeah, you know, I mean, probably not too often, but every so often there's someone like, I said, you know, didn't you come away from that conversation saying to yourself, wow, what a fascinating conversation with that person <laughs> is, right? And it gets in, that's human nature. They let us talk there and, and we can sense they're truly interested in us. They're a great conversationalist. We love them. We want, right? And so, uh, so yep. again, it's, it's understanding how these things work. But the key is that you really have to authentically be interested. So now I love what you said. Well, what if I'm not though? Then find something to be. Find something to be. Find one area, you know, one just small area and be really interested in that. And as we know, action precedes feeling. People think, you know, you have to feel away in order to, no, action precedes feeling. And so be interested. And if you say, if you have to act in truth, okay, that, that's okay. We can deal with that because that's going to turn into being interested. And then as you mentioned, you know, then that's going to expand. And then all of a sudden you find, wow, I really am uh, interested. And people are responding in a way that makes me feel great, right? And I even now even more want to be interested. So sure. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that about having that conversation where somebody else does all the talking. I remember I used to be a major gift officer fundraiser in the Virginia University of Virginia Athletics Department. I, I remember one conversation specifically, but this happened quite a bit. But one gentleman who it was the first time I'd ever met him, and we spent probably an hour and a half in his office talking. And, and it was me asking questions and being genuinely interested, and I truly was. Mm -hmm. And, but he did all of, all of the talking. I mean, I did almost none of the talking. He didn't know anything about me. By the end of the conversation, I knew everything about him, about his family, his kids, his job, his lake house, all of this stuff. He knew nothing about me. And at the end of the conversation, he expressed such gratitude and how, how great he felt about our conversation. And man, I just really, what well, I really connected with you, Jim. I'm thinking, I connected with you and, and maybe he did. He felt that connection. We had that genuine, I really actually enjoyed the conversation because I, I was genuinely interested, but he knew nothing about me. Yeah. Well, here, and here's the thing, and there's a, a very important lesson in here too, I think. And that is people will say, well, but shouldn't it been, shouldn't he also have done the same thing? Well, whether he should or shouldn't, that's not the, the point. It's incumbent upon the communicator 
to communicate. And of course, we communicate by asking questions and listening. That's the, the truest form, the highest form of communication. So, so we can say, yeah, well, it should be this or it should be that, but now let's deal in truth, right? It usually isn't. It's going to be up to us to, to inspire that conversation in, in the way that you do. Yeah. And, and, and it's like taking 100% responsibility yes. of your side of the conversation, of your part of the relationship. Like relationships are 50-50. Well, you kind of have to take 100% responsibility because if you tr- make it 100, exactly, you expect the other person to, to step up and, and do their 50. Well, you know, they may, they may not take responsibility they may, for may not, 100% right. of it. Yeah. And this concept is really the basis of the go-giver, right? I mean, this, this concept of being genuinely interested in other people, supporting other people. For those who haven't read the book or don't know about the go-giver book and in, in, in the series of books now, can you give them sort of the underlying concept of, of the book? Yeah. Yeah. And these are three of the four books in the series are parables. So they're, they're fictional stories based on universal laws and principles, of course, but uh, co-authored with John David Mann, who I believe, by the way, lived in Charlottesville, where you are for a while. I was just, oh, I was right? just thinking that because we were, we're talking about yeah Charlottesville earlier. But uh, John's a brilliant author and a writer. I'm more of a how-to guy. I'm step one, step two, step three. And so we collaborated on this, but the storytelling aspect, man, that is John. He is, he's great. The basic premise of the uh, of the book of all of them really but of the first one especially is that shifting your focus and this is really where it begins it's shifting your focus from getting to giving now when we say giving in this context we simply mean constantly and consistently providing immense value to others understanding that doing so is not only a, a more fulfilling way of conducting business it's the most financially profitable way as well. And not for some, you know, woo-woo way out there, you know, magical, mystical reasons. Oh, just do good. There. No, no, nothing like that at all. It's actually very, uh, very rational when you think about it. When you're that person who can take your focus off yourself and place it on discovering what that other person needs, wants, desires, or what challenges they have that they need help getting past, on how to do things in a certain way that will make them happier, more fulfilled, what have you. People feel good about you. People want to get to know you. They like you. They trust you. They want to be in relationship with you. They want to do business with you. They want to tell others all about you. So, so it's it's that shift of focus that again we're we're acting congruently with human nature, and you know I often again I'll I'll say one of the first things when I speak to a sales group is that nobody's going to buy from you because you have a quota to meet, right? They're not going to buy from you because you need the money or even because you're a really nice person. They're going to buy from you because they believe that they will be better off by doing so than by not doing so. And in the basically free market economy in which we live, and when I say free market, I simply mean no one's forced to do business with anyone else. That's the only reason they should buy from you or from me or from anyone else. And this is great though, because it means that that entrepreneur or salesperson who will really place their focus on bringing immense value to another human being, that's the person who's much more likely to to bring in that business. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a matter of connecting with that person and thinking about that person and 
the listener might be sitting here going, okay, that sounds like a good idea, Bob, but in practice, like how much do I give? Like if I just keep on giving, do I give away my business? Do I give <laughs> away my money? Do I like, is this all about giving or is this about at some level what you get back from that too? Sure. Well, you know, law number five, of course, is the law of receptivity. So, which you, which is, is covered there. And that's, that's important. It's understanding that we, you know, we breathe out, but we also have to breathe in. Right. We breathe out, which is giving or giving of value. We also breathe in, we, you know, breathe out carbon dioxide, breathe in oxygen. But let's go back to that for a second, because I think the question itself is very important. we say, how much do we, we give? And again, when we look at it within the context giving, which is focusing on providing value to another human being. Okay. There's nothing about being a go-giver that is congruent with being anyone's doormat or a martyr or uh, self-sacrificial or being taken advantage of. Nothing like that. It's just understanding, again, that to the degree that you're able to communicate value to another human being, that's the degree that they are going to want to do business with you. And in the Again, in a market-based environment, that value-for-value value exchange is is a product or service in exchange for you know financial. So you know, so the first law. Let, let's as an example, the first law is the law of value, which says your true worth in the business sense, your true worth is determined by how much more you give in value than you take in payment. Now, when you first hear that, it's sort of counterintuitive. Give more in value than I take in payment. Uh, I mean, that sounds like a recipe for bankruptcy. So we have to simply understand, Jim, the difference between price and value. See, price is a dollar amount. It's a dollar figure. It's finite. It is what it is. Value, on the other hand, is the relative worth or desirability of a thing, of something to the end user or beholder. In other words, what is it about this thing, this product, service, concept, idea, what have you, that brings so much worth or value to another person that they will willingly exchange their money for this and be ecstatic that they did while you make a very healthy profit? I often give just as a very quick example, because I think it's very easy to make the point with that if you were to hire an accountant to do your taxes and she charged you a thousand dollars that's her her fee literally her price is a thousand dollars but what value does she give you in exchange well she saves you well over five thousand dollars uh in taxes she uh saves you countless hours which free you up to do what you're more you can more productively do she provides you and your family with the security and the peace of mind of knowing it was done correctly so what she did was she gave you well over $5,000 in value in exchange for a $1,000 fee or price. She gave you well, she gave you more in value than she took in payment. You feel great about it, but she made a very healthy profit because for her, it was worth it to exchange her time, her energy, her knowledge, her wisdom in exchange for $1,000. Okay. And maybe 900 of that was profit. And that works out for her in any, and I remember one of my heroes, Harry Brown, first explaining this. He said in any free market based exchange, again, willingly, you know, people willingly exchanging with one another in any free market based exchange, there are always two profits, the buyer profits and the seller profits, because each of them 
come away better off afterwards than they were beforehand. She gave a lot of value, okay? And and that was just the intrinsic value. Never mind how she made you feel, how great her staff was to work with, and how, you know, you know what I'm saying? And everything that was so so indeed, how much do you give? You give as much as you can in order to make that experience just fantastic for your customers and clients. But you're also uh, receiving very well uh, also. And that gets into the law of compensation. We're going to hold on to that for just a second because I want to make a comment on what you said, Bob. I was watching a video just yesterday by a a master marketer named Frank Kern. And Bob, you may have heard of him, but uh, a lot of the listeners may not have. I'm in this world. Bob, you're in this world. And so Frank Kern and, and Russell Brunson, another just master marketer, these guys. And they were both very wealthy. They have done so well for themselves. Sure. They give so much value in advance. They give so much away for free that you want to give them your money. You want to pay for more. You want to, to sign up for their programs and their courses and their software, et cetera, because they give you some, they build up so much goodwill. And in this, this talk that was given by Frank Kern, he actually said this. I mean, this is, he said, essentially, I make so much money and I am so successful at what I do. And you can be too, if you're willing to build up that goodwill in advance before you try to make the sale. And if you can give, the more you can give in value, that doesn't mean giving 40 hours of volunteering for 40 hours a week. That's not necessarily how the value, that's great. You can volunteer for some organization for 40 hours a week, but you're not gonna be able to put food on the table. But how else can you provide value? So with that said, uh, and, and by the way, the last comment I want to make to the listeners before I ask you another question here, Bob, is is this. It doesn't matter if you're in marketing. It doesn't matter if you're an accountant, like like the example that Bob just gave. It doesn't matter what position you're in in life. Maybe you're a teacher. Maybe you're a coach. Maybe you're a parent. Like, How can you think about authentically caring for the other person and giving value. And when you really start going down this path, you can be creative and it gets kind of exciting to find different ways to to give and to support. And that might be connecting people. That might be writing a a free white paper. It might be uh, checking in on somebody when they they need checked in on, right? It's it's building those relationships. And it gets kind of fun when you start thinking about- Uh, Absolutely. It's limited only by, uh, you know, by one's imagination. Absolutely. Yeah. And and I'll say this, Bob, like you are so approachable and so available. Like you live this, like you live this and you can see it in your very being, like in this interview, it comes across and every other interview that I've watched with you and listened to you, like this comes from your heart and, and you can see this. And, and as a result, you've been very successful and you've been compensated well for it. So let's get into that law, the law of compensation. Yeah, and thank you for those kind words. That means a lot to me. Thank you. Uh, Law of compensation simply says that your income is determined by how many people you serve and how well you serve them. So where law number one says to give more in value than you take in payment, law number two tells us that the more people whose lives you touch with the exceptional value you provide, the more money with which you'll be rewarded. Let's go back to your accountant uh, for a moment, Jim, if we can. She did a great job of giving you 
more in value than she took in payment. You feel great about her. You would probably do business with her again, and you'd most likely refer her to others. Well, her other clients feel the same way about her. So our accountant is very quickly amassing what we call an army of personal walking ambassadors. And as she continues to add that kind of exceptional value to the lives of more and more people, her income will continue to grow and grow. In the story, uh, Nicole Martin, who was the CEO for, for that law, for that segment, explained to Joe that the law of value, it's the foundational principle, but it only represents your potential income. It's typically not enough to provide exceptional value to one person, right? Law number two is about the number of lives, the number of people you're able to impact with that exceptional value. Something that, you know, Frank and and Russell have also done. Don't forget what I talked about at the beginning of the show. Let's 10X your goals in 2021. I'm going to lead you and 24 others through a step-by-step process that will explode your results. You'll walk away with a written plan to live your breakthrough guaranteed. Visit jimharshojr.com slash 10X. Okay, so we covered the first law, the law of value, the second law, law of compensation, the third law, law of influence. Talk about that. Yeah, the law of influence says your influence is determined by how abundantly you place other people's interests first. Now, again, you know, in the sounds sounds all goody good, Bob, but is that really? Well, you know, first of all, think about it. The greatest leaders the top influencers, the highest money earning salespeople you know, this is actually how they run their lives and conduct their businesses. They're always looking out for the interest of the other person. But I also want to go back to something that we just touched on earlier, that placing the other person's interest first doesn't mean you're a doormat. It doesn't mean you're a martyr, okay? Nothing like that. It's simply this. As Joe, the protege in the story, learned from several of the mentors, Uh, The golden rule of business, of sales certainly, is that all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust. And there's no faster, more powerful, or more effective way to elicit those types of feelings in others than by, again, genuinely, right, moving from that I focus or me focus to an other focus, looking for ways to, as Sam, one of the mentors in the story, advised Joe, make your win all about the other person's win. And when you do this constantly and consistently, you you build that what we call army of personal walking ambassadors, right? Who are out there and they have your back, you know, and and that's really, you know, where it where it begins. And for the listener, if this is new to you, this concept is new, or maybe you've heard it before, but you've not quite been able to consistently live it out, you've got to do things that will help bring this back to you, bring this top of mind so that tomorrow morning after you listen to this today and now tomorrow morning you wake up, you can't just go about your life with that that hardwired or at least that wiring of self-interest, which which serves us well at times, right? Especially when we're running from a saber-toothed tiger. But I, I was just gonna say, and that's where it began. Exactly. <laughs> right. That's where it started. <laughs> but how can you you think think about ways to incorporate this into your life? It may be just a reminder on your phone. It may be 
maybe listening to this episode once a week uh, or every day for three days till this gets hardwired into you. Certainly buying Bob's books, following him on social media because he's always, you know, giving this stuff away for free, adding value there as well. So, um, so I want you to think about that before we go into the the fourth law that Bob wants that Bob has here that's in the the Go Giver books, uh, the law of authenticity. Tell yeah. us about that. Yeah. Well, this one says the most valuable gift you have to offer is yourself. And in the story, uh, Deborah, who was the the mentor in that for that se- uh, section, she shared a lesson that she had learned in her sales career, and that was that all the skills in the world, the uh, sales skills, technical skills, people skills, as important as they are, and they are, they are indeed very, very important. They're also all for naught if you don't come at it from your true authentic core. Now, when you do, when you, as we like to say, show up as yourself day after day, week after week, month after month, people feel comfortable with you. People feel safe with you. Uh, Why wouldn't they? They know who they're getting, right? And consistency, uh, and again, back from the the saber-toothed tiger days of our cave person ancestors when they had to, you know, every day was a, a matter of life and death, survival. So the world had to be consistent. They had to know what those sounds in the distance meant. They had to know what the bent twigs meant. They needed to know what those tracks in the mud meant. And they needed to mean the same thing every day, every day, right? So, and that's hardwired into us. And so we will not trust a person who's not consistent. And a big part of consistency is authenticity, right? That's being yourself, showing up the same way every time. And this is where people know you, they like you, they trust you. They're much more likely to do business with you. Here's the thing, Jim. I think what what causes a lot of people to not show up authentically is 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 not ill intent, not malintent, but that they don't have the self-confidence mm. to do so. Because let's face it, it's difficult to show up authentically when you don't think you have anything worthy of showing up authentically for. So it's imperative that we recognize and that we embrace our strengths, that, that value that we bring to the table. I think as, you know, as human beings, we have two types of value. We have intrinsic value just by being here, by being human beings, we have, we have value, but we also have what, what I call market value. And I define market value as that combination of strengths, traits, talents, and characteristics that allow a person to add value to the world, to the marketplace, to others in such a way that they will be compensated for it. And we all have these, uh, what Mike Lippman, I think, coined the term assets of value, right? But it's hard to, to see them because we're human beings and we're so emotionally close to ourselves. And, you know, we see us as we were 15 and 16 years old, right? You know, and, and it's it's difficult to, to see that some of these great gifts that we have that not everybody else has them because as human beings, we also see the world from our own unique viewpoint. So, and that's why it's so great to get with a coach like yourself. It's so great to get with people who can dispassionately help us recognize those strengths, right? And and be able to work with them accordingly. Now, we also have to know our weaknesses. Uh, and I, I believe there are three types of weaknesses. There are the ones that we can totally ignore and disregard because they don't they don't matter. There are 
there's another type of weaknesses. Those are the ones we need to mitigate so that they don't harm, okay? But then there are the weaknesses that we need to turn into strengths if we are going to have an opportunity to be our best authentic selves. You know, it's. I think some people, they... Um, I think they see authenticity as as something other than what it is. Let me give you an example, if I may. It's the person who says, well, I have anger issues and I yell a lot. And if I were to act any differently, that wouldn't be authentic of me. Well, that's malarkey. That's hogwash. It simply means this person has an authentic problem that they need to authentically work on in order to improve themselves and become a higher version a higher, more effective version of their authentic selves. So we never want to mistake authenticity with staying where we are. No, we utilize authenticity in order to grow into our highest, most effective self. Man, I want every listener to hit rewind on this episode and listen to the last couple of minutes of what Bob just said, because that is so true. And it's so hard because when we go on social media and we see everybody with the perfect family and the perfect hair and the perfect home and the perfect job, we go, ah, man, what's wrong with me? But when you look at these people and you, you pull back the curtain, which I do on this podcast and ask people about, tell me about a time when you, this superstar, this person that we hold in such high regard, tell us about a time when you failed. And when you, you go back to some of my podcast episodes and for the listener, I'll have this in the action plan. I'm going to have links to a few other uh, episodes that really relate to this authenticity topic. Um, but there's one guy in particular, Steve Garland. He's a great friend of mine. He's the head wrestling coach at the University of Virginia, NCAA runner-up college wrestler. And this guy gave the best speech I've ever seen in my entire life. And I've had a lot of people tell me the same thing. But this guy was so genuinely authentic. I mean, raw. And it was so real and it just makes made people like him or I should say love him yeah. because of what he shared and the truth of what he shared. And and everybody's sitting in the room kind of think going like, yeah, I, I think the same thing. I feel the same thing. Maybe I experienced some of the same thing. And but I don't share it. But he does. He's so open about that. And he just really creates connection so quickly because he's so authentic. And so yeah. I want the listeners to understand like pay attention to the next person you hear who's authentic. And Pay attention to the feeling of what you said, Bob, know, like, and trust. How much you know them, like them, and trust them based on what they share with you authentically. And you will yeah. see that, that that trust meter goes up. It's a great point. Yeah. So, Bob, I want to turn this around a little bit, this part of the conversation, onto you. And we are out here in the world looking at a guy like Bob Berg who's written all these amazing books and he's worked with you know so many great companies these top level companies and you've you've had so much influence and, and you've been so successful a guy like Bob just doesn't fail apparently from the outside looking in we don't see the struggle we don't see the adversity we don't see the failure that got you here so uh, can you share with us a time a story a moment where you failed and because of that failure maybe you felt that that self-doubt that little voice was chirping in your ear saying i'm not good enough um, and how you worked through that well you know you say a, a guy like bob you know did he have failures a guy like bob uh, 
had failures all the time and continues to. <laughs> so, that's, you know, that's the last, you know, could you relate to a, a failure? Yeah. Can you relate to the last day it was sunny out? You know, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Of course. <laughs> and I, and I think most people will, will say the same thing. I think it's hard to get to a certain level of success without having a whole bunch of failures to build from. So long as you learn from those, those failures and, and I didn't always learn as quickly as I should have from those those failures too. That you know, to me, the worst failures are the ones you repeat. But they, you know, but that happens as well. But just thinking of a time, and this is back in the, I think it was like the, I guess the late '90s, and this is when uh, the internet was just kind of starting to really be a thing. Okay, and I had built up over the last. Mm, seven or eight years, I guess, a really pretty successful speaking practice. Uh, I had learned the system for doing so. I'm a big believer in following, you know, not trying to reinvent the wheel, but but uh, following a set, you know, I, I um, define a system as simply the process of predictably achieving a goal based on a logical and specific set of how-to principles, the key being predictability. If it's been proven that by doing A, you'll get the desired result of B, then you know that you won't just need to do A and continue to do A and continue to do A, you'll eventually get the desired result of B. And I had, uh, it doesn't mean it's always easy and it doesn't mean it's always fast, but you get there if that's, if you know, what you're doing. And I had followed a system, I'd learned how to do it, built up a nice practice, but very uh, not technically oriented at all. And as this internet thing <laughs> was really starting to take off, uh, a lot more of my, you know, clients and the, the, in the niches I was working, they were going, you know, starting to do that. And many of the other speakers were, this is the speaking business that, that I had been in for a while. And uh, I just didn't want to, I didn't want to really learn about technology. I, I didn't want to change. And, you know, it's, it's interesting to me that, that in the um, personal development genre, which you and I are both involved with and, and many of your listeners and viewers, there's there's a certain political correctness there that that we're all supposed to buy into. And one of them is change is great. Embrace change. Change is wonderful. Well, the problem is I hate change. Okay? <laughs> so we all do. Yeah, I, I want to learn something, get really proficient at it, and then just keep going. <laughs> and I'm, right. that's, just, that's just me. But what And so what happened is, and I got a little, you know, overconfident and said, you know, I've built up this great business. I've got all these loyal, steady customers and clients and so forth. And I really don't have to. Well, yes, I did have to, but I didn't. And my business just fell. And I really had to start from scratch. And the, the, you know, the failure, of course, was not recognizing there's a big difference between not wanting to change, which is fine, and not being willing to change. And, uh, you know, that, 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 yeah, it said to me, Berg, you, you know, you ain't the big deal you think you are right now. <laughs> <laughs> so certainly a failure. So I had to yeah. kind of come back, call an audible and, and, uh, start working on that. And, and I'm still not a, you know, it's not like I'm a tech expert, but I surrounded myself or not with lots of people. Well, I guess lots of people, but especially with someone who was very good at them. My, my business partner, Kathy Tejanel, who's brilliant. She is wonderful with technology and she, you know, creates the context for me to be able to use it, understand it to the degree I need to and, and utilize it to my advantage, not as a detriment. 
Well, I think this whole internet thing's just a fad, so you're probably good just to ride yeah, it. Yeah, ne- never gonna, yeah, right, never gonna <laughs> take, off. take off. <laughs> what about habits? My listeners like to know the habits of world class performers. Is there some kind of habit, something that you do on a regular basis or that you've done over the years that you really feel like has helped set you apart and, and find success? I think maybe there are a few things I do, not that it's anything anyone else doesn't do, but things that work have worked for me. One is having a, a very deep understanding of my strengths and weaknesses, which we talked about before understanding. And remember, I, I, one of the things about weaknesses, I, I talked about, there are some you can ignore some that you have to mitigate. And of course, some you have to actually change. One of the biggest ones is mitigation. Okay. So for instance, I, on a, on a personal level, I hate to work out. Okay. And I love to eat junk food. Now, I, when I was a young kid, I worked out even when I didn't want to, and I was a lot more disciplined as far as the foods I ate because I had a reason to want to look good, you know, the whole thing. As I get older, it's not as, as, you know, that's not as big a deal to me, but it's something I had to mitigate. So what I've done for the last 10 years is I have a trainer. She comes to the house every single morning, well, five mornings a week, used to be six, now it's five. Uh, she works me out in the morning. She prepares all my meals for the day, healthy meals. I know exactly what I can have and what I can't have. So what what I did is I created the environment for me to be healthy, okay? So, and it's not that I, well, let's put put it this way. I don't keep Oreo cookies in the house because they would be gone as soon as they were there, which doesn't mean I never have Oreo cookies. It means that if I'm going to, I have to make the effort to get in the car, to go to the store, to right, right, you know, and so forth. So I've done this with a lot of areas in my life where I have set up an environment where it was easier for me to do the right thing than the wrong thing, because frankly, I didn't trust myself to not do the wrong thing, <laughs> right? I'd eat the Oreos if they were in the house. Okay. So, and, you know, and, and I've done that in, in different business contexts and so forth. So that, that's one thing. I've been able to mitigate weaknesses through systems, if you will. Uh, another thing is I'm a very avid reader. I'm always reading, always learning, always listening. And so uh, I think that's been something that's helped me. And I have what has been said to me, a bias for action. So in other words, when there's an idea, once I believe it's the right idea to apply, and it's not always the case, of course, we need to discern what what is and what isn't. But once I believe an idea is the, the right way to go, I tend to apply it immediately. So I think those things have, have helped me in, you know, in, in some significant ways. Yeah, I believe so, man. Those are, those are fantastic. Thank you for sharing, Bob. For the listener or viewer, that is, because we are recording this on video for yeah. anybody wanting to watch this, you can find the video uh, of this as well on my YouTube channel. So check that out. But um, for the listener who is ready to take action, they want to move forward. They say, okay, I want to embrace this go-giver mindset. What's an action item, something they can do like immediately, like the next 24 to 48 hours. Is there a concrete action item or, or a few things even? Um, but even if it's just one thing that they can take action on the next 24 to 48 hours, what would it be? Oh, sure. And that's so important. You know, as you recall in the, in the story, Pindar, the main mentor made that a condition for mentoring Joe. He had to apply each law 
that very day. Not think about doing it, not questioning whether it would work or not, but just do it. And it didn't have to be done perfectly. Remember for the, the one on serving a lot of people, he poured coffee for everyone on the on the third floor. You know, I mean, that was just an action where you could serve a lot of people. So I would I would go from there and say, determine what you need to do to start applying this and and do it. Uh, you know, you brought up a great point earlier about providing just, you know, looking for ways to, to provide value to others. By all means, how can you do that? And it can be as simple as as opening the door for someone. We know when they walk by, it can be as simple as if you're crossing paths with someone, smiling at them first, whether than rather than waiting for them to smile at you. It may be you see someone uh, can use a certain connection, so you connect with them with, them with a, a good person. Of course, when you make a connection, make sure you get permission first from the people you want to connect. So it's not just embarrassing people by you know connecting when they may not want to be or or causing them discomfort. But you just ask yourself the question, how can I add value to this person's life? And then do it. And again, it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be particularly significant. It just needs to be some action on the idea. Bob, after reading your books and listening to you and and watching you and following you for so many years, it has been incredible to finally connect with you and do this interview. So thank you for making the time. Where can the listeners and viewers find you, follow you, buy your books, et cetera? Probably the best place to go would be Berg, and that's B-U-R-G dot com. And on the site, they can uh, find where they can read an excerpt or, or chapter of the, any of the books. Uh, there's a blog, there's videos, all sorts of fun resources. And if they scroll down to the bottom, they can, they can find me on all the different social media platforms and connect with me there. You know, it's, it's been great to speak with you. And of course, your represent your reputation precedes itself. And uh, it's great finally having an opportunity to, uh, to meet you uh, in, in person, quote unquote. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> likewise, likewise. Well, thank you, Bob. Thanks for listening. If you want to apply these principles into your life, let's talk. You can see the limited spaces that are open on my calendar at jimharshawjr.com slash apply, where you can sign up for a free one-time coaching call directly with me. And don't forget to grab your action plan. Just go to jimharshawjr.com slash action. And lastly, iTunes tends to suggest podcasts with more ratings and reviews more often. You would totally make my day if you give me a rating and review. Those go a long way in helping me grow the podcast audience. Just open up your podcast app if you have an iPhone, do a search for success through failure, select it, and then scroll the whole way to the bottom where you can leave the podcast a rating and a review. Now, I hope this isn't just another podcast episode for you. I hope you take action on what you learned here today. Good luck and thanks for listening.